Hello everyone, welcome to Quantum Catechesis, I'm Father Joe Krupp and you are not in today, today, today is Wednesday, January 20 something, what, 24, 20, I can't see your fingers, 24, uh, and I don't know what year it is, 2024, it's 124, 2024, if you know the code, follow the instructions. Thanks and a welcome to all of you for coming in today. And uh, I'm a little out there today. today. Today might be really interesting. Today might be an ADHD fest. Uh, but I want to give a big thanks to our foreign correspondents, Patricia in Scotland, Bren Van in Canada, Sabine in Germany, uh, Richard in England, and Margaret in New Zealand. And I also want to acknowledge... How unbelievably cool it was last week. I went through and looked at where people are listening from. Oh, my gosh. What a cool thing uh, that here we are all together just having a lovely time. Oh, my gosh. Uh, please don't forget to support local businesses. huh? Uh, want to give a big shout out to Michigan Church Supply in Montmorris, Michigan and Celtic Cove Catholic Bookstore in Oxford, uh, Michigan, uh, buy local or Jesus will hunt you down like a dog. That's in the Bible. Don't look it up. Trust me. Um, a couple important announcements to start us off today. First of all, uh, this is our last show for the week. Yeah, I believe the world is going to end tomorrow, so I didn't prepare an outline. Now, because uh, <laughs> it would suck to have the whole show prepared and then the Lord comes back. Be like, what the heck, Lord? But all kidding, uh, aside, on Friday, very early in the morning, I'll be leaving on a jet plane, know exactly when I'll be back again, and uh, we'll be back in seven days. So there's no shows the rest of this week or none next week. The cool thing is, I should be collecting a bunch of shows next week, interviewing some really cool people. I hope we get Jeremy McC Clellan on again. Love that cat. And I don't really care about anybody else. There's some dude, though, that's going to be on the retreat. You may have heard of him, Father Mike Schmitz or something. I don't know. He's short. But I would rather be short, I think, and have my hair back. Because he's got all his hair. He's got his hair and some of my. He is a thief. Mike Schmitz is a thief. Um, I told him the other day, I sent him a text and I meant, I was literally buying a gun and a woman approached me and she was like, do you know Father Mike Schmitz? And I said, I do. And she just, so I sent him a text, Mike, I can't swing a dead cat without hitting someone who isn't in love with Jesus because of you. That's just gotta be an awesome, he's a good dude, man. But he took my hair and I will never forgive him. Another important announcement, and I'm actually serious about this, is this show's probably not for kids. Now, if you have young people listening, you should probably listen to this first because before you play it for them because I have no idea what's appropriate for children. This is why Jesus made sure I didn't have any. There are 50,000 reasons Jesus wanted me to be a priest, and one of them was to get me out of the gene pool. Yeah. So I'm going to talk very candidly and hopefully respectfully uh, about, um, I guess, the idea of sexual ethics or how to fight for purity. There's all kinds of different things wrapped up in here. 
but I need the freedom to be blunt, and I don't want to be crude. I remember Dad and I went to. I'm I'm starting to not. I'm starting to be suspicious of men's conferences. I really am, uh, and I've been on great ones, but we went to one. Do you remember this? Where a very famous priest gave a talk, and it was vulgar. Like, and I'm like, I never get offended. I should get offended much easier than I do. And even I was like, good Lord, man. So I don't want to be that guy. But uh, I also want to be helpful and practical. So one of the things I found is that in my experience, and I'm going to be blunt, I think it might be fair to say I hear confessions more often than a lot of priests. I think that might be fair to say. And I don't say it to be superior. What makes me superior is my chiseled abs and my savage good looks and my long flowing hair. Okay. Uh, But, you know, it's because I'm in a parish with more than one priest, right? So I'm able to offer a lot more times. And we've kind of become the focal point for confessions in this area. Uh, So with all of that... It is my hope that this is utterly practical for those who are interested in kind of the next step from our last talk. Our last talk was about sexual reconnection from Dr. Peter Kraft and looking at the idea of sex has a purpose. God gave us sex. He invented it. Well done, God. Um, But also what we want to recognize is that we are in a completely as far as I can tell, unique stage in human history. Uh, If you are a Catholic person attempting to live morally uh, in terms of sexual ethics, you're in a completely unique time. Humans never got married this late, right? When the New Testament was written, humans got married at the latest at 15. The rules are the same The world we live in is different. Does that mean we change the rules? No, but it does mean we look at them and understand them in the context we live, right? We're in a time of utterly unique challenge. Why else are we in a time of utterly unique challenge? Because we are raising children who are addicted to pornography before they're 10, right? We're giving them iPads and telephones and unfettered access to strangers who do not have their best interest in mind. And I think it's fair to say this. If your child has one of these, they have seen porn. They have been flirted with by pedophiles. Um, They are dealing with things we never, ever had to deal with. And a child... The re- one of the reasons we say in a society, which we're okay with abortion, but we even us, we say child pornography is bad, right? And even with that, uh, why? Because we recognize it damages the brain. And I'm telling you, it's damaging these kids' brains. And we even see it now in our 20-somethings who were raised on pornography, right? It's created within them an inability to separate the beauty of sex from something raw and dark. Um, Does this make sense? 
if you are under 40, you have been raised at a completely unique period in human history in terms of the fight to be sexually holy, right? I think that's fair to say. Okay. So we're going to try to look at our struggles in light of that. And now again, I, I, I get awkward and stumbly and embarrassed, but I want to help. I want to help. And if anything I say violates your conscience, I think you can assume I'm wrong then. I'm going to tell you how I fight the fight, how I encourage others to fight the fight. And I'm going to use a very specific example now. And again, I'm going to get all embarrassed. Okay. But one of the things I deal with, quote unquote, in the confessional a lot are men. And again, ladies, I'm sorry. I'm a dude. I don't have much that can help you here. I just assume you're better than us. Uh, we, yeah. Uh, where they're told this, masturbation is always a mortal sin, okay? Got a million guys who are told that. If they're at church, they're in the fight. If they're in the fight, they've been told one of two extremes. Anytime you masturbate, it's a mortal sin. You shouldn't go to communion until you get to confession. Or they're told, that's ah, no big deal. Okay. Ugh. We're going to talk about it now. <laughs> is it always a mortal sin? No. I will go to my grave unless Jesus appears, and, and if he does, I'll tell you, and says, space boy, you're wrong. Um, is it a sin? Absolutely. Is it a sin that separates you from God's grace in such a unique way that you need to go to confession before you go to communion? That can't be a universal rule. It simply can't. It simply can't. You can't tell me a 17-year-old boy is as free to resist sexual temptation in that form as a 40-year-old man is. You can't. I don't think you'll ever be able to convince me. Now, I don't tell kids that and say, so have at it, child. No, I tell them that's a sin. It damages you. But you better run to communion. You better get the grace you can. And get to confession as often as you need. But to tell a 16 to 30-year-old male, anytime you do that, God, you have damaged your relationship with the Lord in such an extraordinary way that it requires the intervention of the confession, sacrament, sacrament of reconciliation, you're going to mess that kid up. You're just going to mess them up. They're either going to get messed up about God or messed up about their own sexuality. Do we fight for purity? Yes. Oh my gosh. But we fight for it in a realistic way. And in a way that hits human nature. Uh, how are we doing? I can't tell you. Like when I was a campus minister at MSU, every guest priest would be like, what is the deal with two minutes before mass, five different boys with eyes this big, can I go to confession? Right? Like, bro. Bro. You don't even need to say it now. Right? We all know. Uh, and they'd say it in a fill, room filled with people. And, and it's like, but it was pounded in their heads. If you do that, that's a mortal sin. A mortal sin is a serious, serious thing. Uh, what is it? Again, I know you're sick of hearing this. Sorry. It's when you're free to not sin. 
when your intention is evil or apathetic, and when the action is grave. I would suggest most, and again, ladies, sorry, no freaking clue what's going on in there. Uh, for most guys, action is the only one you've hit of the three. Right? And when we say that's always a mortal sin, there's no way at that age they can separate what they feel right from their dignity. I must be I I can tell you a number of boys who have that attitude who were taught they think they're possessed. They think they're possessed. It's like no you're a male going through puberty and post puberty. This is going to be a good hard long fight. It's not a battle. It's a war. And when you say yeah, okay, I'm going to I think I'm done on that topic. Uh, I'm done on that part of the topic. <laughs> the The second thing, again, is they have been exposed to violent sexual imagery from an age. I, I've never seen porn. I'm 53. I always mess this up. I'm 53. I have been blessed to have never looked at pornography. I don't know anybody, the generation behind me, will ever get to say that. Because if it was that easy when I was a kid, of course I would have fallen into it. I didn't have the wisdom or the discernment to figure out, no, that's not something you're able to stop. If someone walked up to you right now and said, here's some heroin, take it, uh, you would say no. If for no other reason than what you know is, it seems pretty hard to quit. Could you do that with something that someone's just got to show you? You don't have to inject it. You don't have to. All you have to do is look at it, and it's in your brain forever. If you're a male, again, sorry, ladies, I don't know. It's in your brain forever. Um, that is a factor in this fight. Another factor is that we, again, we are marrying older, which I think is great, right? Don't, right? Every time I try to make this point, they're so, oh, you want children to marry? Oh my gosh, no, okay? I don't think you should marry at 18, okay? I don't, uh, but you, you know, you do you. My point is the rules we are reading about were, the, were at a time when the norm was you were married by 15, usually by 13, so I want us to have these ideas in the back of our head as we fight for purity, not as an excuse, but so that we can return to a really key point here. You are in an incredibly unique time of human history, and you were made for it. Your being alive at this time, my being alive at this time, was not an accident. When I was a chaplain at Lansing Catholic, I was talking to a teacher one day, and the way teachers catch things is a little different than everyone else, I think. All of a sudden, every kid is telling you the same thing. It's like they all get a memo, right? And you're like, what the hey? Uh, and in this case, all of a sudden, we're hearing all these kids, I looked at pornography, right? I looked at pornography. Like, it's a lot of work when I was a kid. 
right? That was not easy to do. And so we were like, what the heck is this? And that's when we found out about the wonders of the internet and how easy this was and all of this. I'm dead serious. The the teacher who was with me, who was an outstanding holy man, said, and I quote, I've never forgot this. The next few generations, we're going to have more Hitlers and more Mother Teresas than we would have ever thought could exist at once. Because if you can emerge from this reality a saint, you're going to be the best kind of saint. Isn't that something? Um, he was right, if you ask me. Um, the day and age you're born in, I believe it's fair to say it's harder to hold the idea that the Lord gives us than at any other time. I really believe that, and I could be wrong. And I want us to remember that because your being born in this time was not an accident. Okay? You and I being alive at this time in human history is on purpose. And to quote St. Joan of Arc, I'm not afraid. God is with me. I was born for this. Everyone skips that middle line and it drives me nuts. I even saw it over our school. I'm not afraid. I was born for this. No, 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 no. I'm not afraid. God is with me. I was born for this. Don't be afraid. God is with you. You were born for this fight. Another comfort I want to offer in this fight for purity is the fact that you care. You are in a minority. If you care about the fight to be obedient to God when it comes to sexual ethics, you're in a minority. Um, there's a thing they used to call, I believe I'm going to say this right. I haven't thought about it in a while. White martyrdom. Okay. And it's the idea that you're not dying with your blood. You're dying in other ways. And when the whole world around you seems to hold what you believe in contempt, if they even think about it at all, that can be a very lonely feeling. Um... And it can be easy to forget that it is a holy suffering that you hold. When you're fighting to be as God made you to be, when you're fighting to live the sexual life that God has given you, um, that is a noble fight. And you are in a minority. And the fact that you care is your gift to the Lord. The fact that you want to get it right. That's your gift to the Lord. And he is so proud of you. And a crowd of people screaming, kill him at the uh, Colosseum. You're not there. You're, you're outliving the life the Lord told you to. Um, so what uh, I got some kind of, I wrote them in no particular order. Okay, just some points for us when we want to fight for purity. Uh, how are we doing so far? Okay, is everybody all right? Yep. All right, let me drink some coffee. Oh, are we getting the cough button today? Is that what? No. Okay. Oh, I'm just asking. I know we're picking up something. Okay. Yeah, we don't know. Uh, in no particular order, here's some pointers. First, you better be tenacious. When you're in the fight against uh, sexual immorality, when you decide that as best you can, you're going to save sex for marriage, um, 
then you better be tenacious. If you are an I give up easy person, this is not the fight for you. Right. Uh, one of my favorite. This is crazy. When I was at seminary, we had a professor. He was 3000 years old and he was dying of cancer. And we would all take turns and go sit with him so that he didn't die alone. We'd go sit in his room and talk to him. And he was hilarious. Uh, we were close to the end of his life. I was 23, 24, maybe 25. And I'm sitting next to him and we're kind of talking. He's very weak. And I said to him. 25. Theoretically, in four years, I'm going to vow celibacy. Does the fight get any easier? And he said, and I quote, oh, yes, for me in about two weeks. <laughs> yeah. To not have a sexual drive is not holy. Be having a sexual drive is part of being human. You are going to be in for a long fight and marriage will not solve it. Marriage will not solve it at all. Um, that's just not how it works. So you need to cowboy up and be tenacious and refuse to quit. Now, I'm a big fan of MSU, but even outside of that, I think we can all recognize how incredible what the Spartans did at Thermopylae was. Yeah, that 2,400 years later, we still talk about this battle. And here's the key. The Spartans lost. Every single man who stood there died. They lost, and they lost big. We don't remember their victory. We remember the fact that they just refused to quit. That they said, this is where I'll die. And when we decide to engage the fight, we need to remember that. Um, we just are going to refuse to give up. Prayer is a really big part of this. And what does that prayer look like? A lot of different things. Um, for me, and when I was younger, I did this. I would grab a crucifix and hug it. And I would say, Lord, I choose this love. Right? Um, that's a very vulnerable thing to share. Um, but it's what I did. I would take my crucifix off the wall, I would wrap my arms around it, and I would say, Jesus, I choose this love. I wanted to be held. I wanted to hold. That's not what God called me to. So I said, okay, then I'm going to hold you. I'm going to choose your kind of love. Please help me. Right? Um, there's the prayer if there's a particular person you find yourself fixated on. Uh, one, recognize that's temporary. and That always goes away. But two, pray for that person. Pray for them. Um, when they come to your mind and you're tempted toward a sexual temptation or you're, you're being drawn toward a sexual temptation with that person in your mind, we'll convert that to a prayer. Instead of fantasizing about them, I'm going to pray for them. Um, and a good go-to is, Lord, bless them, protect them, draw them closer to your sacred heart. Boom. All right? There's the, uh, well, that I, I, and I can do a lot on prayer, but I think that, you know, keep that in mind. Um, the other thing is to think of the Chesterton principle, right? Namely, the man who knocks on a brothel door is really looking for a cathedral. 
right, that you can, in that moment, ask for the grace to summon your rational brain and say, what am I really looking for? And when we do that, there's a couple truths that really can hit us well. One is the futility of our sin. Where will this action take me? If I give in to this temptation, where will that take me? Will it actually solve what I'm looking for? Does, does that make sense? Okay. Um, and that's hard to engage. And again, ladies, no clue. But for dudes, it's hard to shift out of animal brain to rational brain. But you gotta. Lord, help me to shift to rational brain. Right. And again, I'll be honest, this stuff isn't so hard for me anymore. But when I was younger, oh my, it was. And I would literally picture myself shifting the gear in my in my truck. Okay. If I give in to this, what have I accomplished? What's accomplished here? There is always a futility to our sin that the temptation obscures. And our rational brain can point it out. It's not going to work. <laughs> it's not going to do what you hope it does. It's not going to make it better. You don't get the dog off your porch by feeding it. You get the dog off your porch by starving it. Yeah? Um, do we know that image or do I need to talk through it? The dog image. Is that a redneck thing? Yeah. Okay. All right, real quick. If you So we grew up out in the sticks. And Dad will tell you this. Back then, people didn't spade or neuter their pets because St. Bob Barker had not yet spread his message of hope. Uh, and so we could count on, very often, city people would have all of a sudden just drive by our house and literally just drop in the ditch 10 cats, three dogs. And they were always cute puppies or cute kittens. And immediately, like that's what people did back then. You'd, you'd, everybody who had a farm can tell you this. Uh, this is where barn cats tend to come from, right? But they would come to our door, and I'd always want to feed them because they're mewing and they're, oh, gosh. And Dad would always say, if you feed them, they'll never leave. And he was right. What tended to happen, like with the cats, is they settled into the barn and killed mice and were very practical. With the dogs, we always sissied out and kept them. But with our sin... It's not like it gets weaker when we give in. It gets stronger. When we give in to temptation, we can ask, Jesus, help me engage my rational brain and say, wait a minute. If I give in to this, I'm only making it harder next time. Yeah? Okay. The second, what am I really looking for? And for most of us, as St. John Paul II said, it's the craving to enter and to be entered. I'm craving to be known and loved as I am. Uh, and again, forgive my bluntness, but that beautiful passage in Genesis, I long to stand before the Lord naked without shame. Yeah? Jesus does have the answer to that. It's going to take some work on our part. That's what makes sin so attractive. It's a very simple thing with an immediate payoff. Whereas virtue tends to be hard work with an eternal payoff. Yeah? Um, another way to address the temptation, and this is for addicts, right? Like if you're in AA or in Narcanon, you know this one. Okay, fine. I can give in to this temptation the rest of my life, just not today. 
just not today. That's another kind of rational argument against the urge, right? I can give in the rest of my life, just not today, because here's the thing. If you think about trying to be pure the rest of your life, you're going to fail. That's way too much energy for one human. But you could be pure today. Focus on today. Um, a very important prayer for me, and again, these are in no particular order. Quote, my confessor gave this to me. Lord, heal me of my affection for this sin. The reason we sin is because we like it. And again, if you don't like it, you're not sinning very well. Uh, Lord, heal me of my affection for this sin, whatever this sin may be. Um, and pray that a lot. As a general rule, what you want to remember when you're fighting the purity fight, you're not seeking to crush something evil. You're seeking to channel something powerful. Okay, Lust is a sin. The urge to reproduce is holy. What makes something lust is our need to make it all about us, about my fulfillment, about my taking, about my wanting. Okay, Why is this so important? And again, this is where we get to the sticky, you know, embarrassing talk. But here we go. I, I talked about it last week a bit, but we're going to talk about it from a different perspective. Um, I have encountered a phenomenon of Catholic men who finally find the woman that God called them to marry. And the two of them are ecstatic and happy. And all through their 84-month engagement, because they're completely insane, um, they're fighting to be pure. And I tell couples this, you should not be engaged more than nine months, in my opinion. And I'm serious. Why? If you can go 10 months without falling into sin with the person you want to marry, you might not be in love with them. It's actually not healthy to chain yourself to a two-year period of, yeah, I'm going to be in a covenant with that person. I'm in, I'm fire with love for them. Yeah, but we can't do anything about it for two years. What are you doing? Are you nuts? Right? I mean, really? Are we, we're talking turkey here. Are you crazy? I talked about this at MSU one time. I was like, the day you decide you're going to marry someone, you should be married within 10 months. Uh, or... Prepare for the fact that you are probably going to have sex. And then you're going to feel awful about it. And then you're going to start to equate that guilty feeling with sex. And that's going to mess up your married life. Seen it a million times. Right? Because for guys, the way often guys will tend to deal with it, I am horrible. I am disgusting. All this stuff in my head is wicked. Right. And then he keeps plugging that in. And then eventually there's the time where you are together, a husband and wife. And what is he thinking? I'm a pig. I'm disgusting. Right. Can you see how we mess ourselves up? And again, does this resonate for women? I have no clue. OK. Uh, <laughs> again, you, you people are. Oh, good. OK. You are an alien tribe to me. Um. That thing in you, 
It is the divine spark. The problem is our human nature distorted it to make it about our gratification primarily, right? <clears throat> the gratification we feel in the marital act is a byproduct, not the goal. The goal is I'm giving all of me to you. I am naked without shame. I am entering you as I am and as you are. Our souls and bodies, our bodies are proclaiming the truth of our souls to becoming one. Right? <clears throat> when we spend our whole life pretending that the desire to procreate is wicked and filthy and dark, then the day it's to be our gift, we've clouded it. So what do we do? <clears throat> One thing, you know, and obviously 99.9999% of the audience I'm talking to, I know I'm too late and I get it. Um, you got to keep that crap out of your kids' hands. And I don't know the answer. I just can't fathom giving kids a machine that is the world's easiest access point to the largest pornography collection in the history of humankind. I just can't fathom what we're doing. And I told you this, and I know it offended some people, and I'll be honest, I, I kind of don't care. We have parents freaking out about having mass at church and the doors aren't locked because someone could come in and shoot them. And, and I know they have that worry because they're texting it on their phone and they're giving these children these phones. What do you think is more likely? A lot more likely. A million times more likely that that thing you stuck in their hand puts porn in their head before they even know what's going on. That's the most likely thing. And I know that because it's happening every day, all day. And it's messing our kids up. I was in eighth grade. This is a true story. And I heard the F word for the first time, right? And I go to my buddy, Scott. I'm like, what is that? Because the kid who said it got slapped by the teacher, right? And he says, oh, I know it's a bad word. We're not supposed to say it. Okay, so then we find out it's a German word, right? Did you know that? All these stupid theories, you know, for unlawful, carnal knowledge, that's all made up. It's just the German word for to strike or to hit, right? Well, anyway, so... We file that away under the never, ever, 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 ever say that word, right? So get this. That was eighth grade. So what is it? 1984. Whenever the documentary, docudrama, whatever it's called, um, World War II, um, it was huge. HBO did it. Uh, Come Holy Spirit. I can't believe it's not the Pacific. It was the one that came before the Pacific. Uh, uh, Band of Brothers. Came out, World War II. I'm watching it, and they're dropping F-bombs. I said to Dad, they didn't have the F-word in the 40s. And he's like, what? <laughs> I'm like, didn't my generation invent that? I'd never heard the word. So I assumed we invented it. <laughs> That's how amazing my dad is. Think about that. That's how amazing my dad's friends were. I had never heard the word before. Why am I talking about this? 
if I have a challenge for parents, it's your saying and showing way too much of around your kids. Just being blunt. And I know. I hear their little confessions. And they come and tell me things, right? They don't mean to gossip. But I can't tell you how many kids have come up. You know, my dad says blah, blah, blah. And you're like, oh. Now, I, I want to be clear. I also know kids' ability to accurately convey things is minimal. But we have parents right over here at the school who, if their kids came in and said, my teacher came in and spit on the blessed sacrament and then punched a baby in the face, well, they would believe that child. Why would my child lie? Because they're a kid. Why are you saying things around your kids that lead them to believe that's how I can get in good with mom and dad? What kind of conversations are you having around them? My mom always said, children are the world's best observers and the world's worst interpreters. And I think she was right. Be careful what shows you're watching around the kids. Be careful what conversations you're having around the kids. They're hearing you. And you wouldn't believe what they're picking up. Yeah? Um, I tried saying this last year to our parents and it didn't work. I always think I can be rational with irrational people. Right. And I know when I'm irrational, rationality doesn't help me. Why would I think it's going to help anybody else? But you know that old rule, hey, parents, I won't believe what your kids say about you if you don't believe what your kids say about me. Right. But parents, we need to be conscious of what we're putting in our children's hands and what we're saying around them and what is normal around them. We really do. We really do. Now, for those with all of that, when we look at, when we talk about the topic of pornography, this is probably the number one affliction, I think. Um, it's messing us up fiercely. Uh, the, of all things, a secular, uh, the Atlantic did a whole article about how it's changed boys' brain chemistry in such a profound way that, forgive my bluntness, they're becoming incapable um, I guess I just say it. I don't know. They're incapable of having erections in their mid-20s now. They need violent stimuli. Think about that. It's a plague. So what if you're listening to this and you, you believe you're addicted? One, breathe, okay? You're not alone. You are not. In fact, you're in a majority. Okay. I doubt you chose this addiction. What I assume is you want to be free and you don't know how. And I'm going to give us some ideas. And the first one again, and I could cry. You just got to refuse to give up. You just got to refuse to give up trying. There will be a day you look at pornography for the last time. Okay. If you tell Jesus in your heart today, I want to be done with this sin, then it's on a game clock, man. It's done. It's just time now. Okay? And you can believe that. The second thing is you need an accountability partner. And forgive my bluntness, it cannot be your wife. Um, it just can't. Your shame will kill you and she won't get it. Um, she'll do her best. But I remember <clears throat> how many people, like when I was a smoker, 
would say, well, you just need to quit. Okay, thanks. That's super helpful. And you do all this math in your head. Well, why can't I quit? Well, I know, like, here's how smoking goes, right? At least for me. I was like, well, I know if I could go three days, supposedly that purges the nicotine craving and it gets you past the shakes and the sweats and the whole thing. Well, when can I find three days where I won't be hurting people as a priest? Because that was what I worried about, right? Being the grumpy old priest, the nasty, snappy, barky priest. Um I, I rationalized myself out of every effort to quit for a while. Um, <clears throat> it's just make that commitment today. Lord Jesus, in your name, I renounce this. I renounce pornography. Let's go after this together. And then know when you say that prayer, you have begun the end of your addiction. Now it's time. It's just going to be time. And how are we going to do it? We're going to get, get an accountability partner. There's some good accountability software out there um, that you can use. <clears throat> and uh, it can be a tremendous help. I'm an accountability partner for as many people as I can be right now. I'm going to be honest. Uh, but what that means is maybe I get an accountability message from a buddy and five of us will get it. It's like, I'm going to look at pornography. Okay, one of us calls. What are you feeling right now, bro? Let's talk it through. Um, and we just talk and we pray and I, I love on them and they receive the love and they don't need me saying, don't do it. They know that part. They don't know how to not do it. And so you just keep them focused. And then I text them the next day. How'd we do? Right? How'd we do? Well, I fell. Okay. You didn't fall today? Did you fall today? No. Great. New start. Let's go. Um, or, no, I didn't fall. Oh, Jesus, thank you. Jesus, thank you. Let's thank Jesus together. Doing a million of these messages. And you know what? It works. It works. We're not meant to walk alone. We're not meant to fight dragons alone. And this is a dragon. This is a dragon that no generation before you has had to fight. Okay. So we make our commitment. We get an accountability partner. You don't even need to know the account. If you know AA, you'll, you can meet your accountability partner the day you start, right? Uh, the key is you get accountable and you stay accountable. And here's the thing. Here's how insidious addiction is. The moment you get your first big victory, maybe you've gone three days. Holy crap, you didn't know it was possible. You're high as a kite and you're also terrified. Because why are you terrified? Do you know this? Well, when am I going to fall? It's going to happen again. And, and then you have these battles in your head. Well, you know, I'm going to, well, no, but Jesus is going, well, I'm a wreck. You, know, you, you will do this for the last time. There will be a day, and that's the one. Yeah. If your previous record is three days and you go four, you have a party, and I mean it. If your previous record is four days and you go five, you have a party. And when you can get to confession, get to confession. Father, I'm addicted to pornography, and I fell. I went three days without, and then I fell. Okay, let's start again. How's it, how are we doing? For you and me, and I think, okay, here's in the end. Let me do my wrap up. And there's so much more I want to say, but this is where we are. And I pray this is helpful. 
uh, I pray that I will have been respectful uh, and clear. Um, <clears throat> you were made, humans were made by a community of persons. Yeah, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. That dynamic of life and love created the human race. And the first thing they told humans was, be fruitful and multiply. And he wasn't talking about, you know, oranges and math, okay? Be fruitful and multiply. Right away, what you recognize in the Holy Trinity's first words to humans is that our sex, our drive to procreate is hardwired into us and it's natural, okay? God intentionally stuck inside of us, deep inside of us, the desire to procreate, to act like the Trinity, to pour all of ourselves into someone and create life. The fall changed things. Um, it introduced ourselves into the equation. It put our gratification and our fulfillment at the center of the universe. And that is where lust comes in. <clears throat> when you and I hunger from, from anything as beautiful as holding hands or being held or all the way to the marital act and everything in between, that is a natural fire inside of us that was given to us by God. We fight the temptation to make it lust by asking, Lord, remove me from the equation right? Hug a cross, whatever it takes. Go pour out yourself in service. Go shovel a driveway. Go mow a lawn. Give of yourself in some other way. Don't make it about you, right? And again, recognize that the fire is holy. It's the way we bend it that makes it sin, okay? Don't feel crippling shame about the crap in your head, right? You didn't make it. It just is. And when we panic and feel awful about what's going on up there, all it's going to do is drive us deeper into the desire to sin that way because we feel separate from God. God sees your plight, okay? <clears throat> on uh, Sunday, I got to see a little boogly who had learned to walk two days before. Little boogly. And of course, he's doing the, the kind of penguin walk now and face planting a lot and bashing into things. <clears throat> and God help me, it's cute, right? It was cute as heck. At no point, truly, was I like, when is that kid going to get it together? Because I knew the process of him getting it together looked like this first. Now, if he's doing that at 15, we're going to have a long talk. Yeah. But in the same way, you and I learning to rein in and to channel that gift, it's going to be a process. We're going to face plant. We're going to walk like, you know, spiritual penguins. We're going to learn to walk. We're going to learn to run. We're going to learn to fly. It's a process. Be patient. Be prayerful. Be tenacious. Refuse to give up. This is how character gets made. Right? This is why when you look around, frankly, 
you see a severe lack in character in our culture, it's because we've tried to take suffering away. <clears throat> I don't know how this works for women, but I assume it's very similar. This, namely, just like uh, pornography and all the other things, there's another thing where human life now is radically different than any other time in human history that I'm aware of. And frankly, I know a good amount of that stuff. And here's what it is. Um, if you're 18 year old male and you haven't been in a battle where your life is in imminent danger, that's new. It's new, right? Men were made for battle. Everything about our bodies, right? Women's ability to feel pain and keep going is way beyond males ability to do so. Right. And i.e. childbirth. Yeah. But for men, where our shows <clears throat> is, is our endurance, uh, our physical strength um, and that aggression. That's a normal part of being a man. Starting about 100 years ago, we decided that the smartest thing to do was to take these little battle things that came out of their mom's womb and stick them in these buildings for eight hours a day and say, you have to sit still for seven 48-minute segments while someone talks at you. And if you get up and walk around, that's a sin. If you get in a fight, that's the worst thing that you can ever do. We take everything about their maleness and we crush it. Um, and we tell them it's bad, right? This is where your battle is now. It's not against an enemy on the other side of the field holding a mace and, and, a, and a shield. The battle's inside. That battle you were made for, you can't have anymore like men have all through history. Well, thank God, by the way. But all that fire in there is meant to be directed toward this battle now. I will live for God. I will live for others. It's not about how many women I can get. It's how many people can I serve? How disciplined can I be? How tenacious can I be? Right? You were born and made for battle. This is the battle you're born and made for, okay? And you can do it. You can do it. There will be a day you sin this way for the last time. And I can't wait. And you can't wait. And God already saw it, by the way. It's just a matter of time now. So, ladies, I hope you didn't feel excluded from that. I, again, I can't. I read of reviving Ophelia, and I found that super helpful. But it didn't feel like something I could identify with, right? Whereas when I read the book Real Boys... I, I cried, right? I did. I, when I first read that book, I cried. I thought about how many times I had to come home to, I mean, I guys every day with one of those stupid pink slips from school, right? Your kid is a moron, right? Your kid can't sit still, right? They, they put us on the bus. Do you remember bus slips that <clears throat> if you stood up while you were supposed to be sitting on the bus, you get a bus slip. I got one every week. Right. Uh, and it wasn't even like I remember not thinking, not thinking I'm going to stand up. It was just. It was a dude. And I always remember being a little in awe of girls ability to just sit there. Right. Like they, like the, every guy always thinks this at some point. It's like there's just better than us. And it's really weird. But anyway, OK, I've talked your ears off. Uh, 
Okay, uh, are people happy? Is there? A, I got time for a question if there are any. Uh, nope. Okay. Oh, yeah? Okay. It looks like Carrie's thinking there might be a question for us, and we do have a couple minutes before I traditionally wrap up. So while she's getting that, let me grab a drink. Tell our kids to stay away from it. I don't want to spark any curiosity in them. I'm talking about <coughs> kids in puberty and older about pornography. Yeah. Do you, do you bring up the subject, I think, is what she's Oh, I, I, no, I'm going to be blunt. As a priest, no, never, ever, 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 ever. Right. That does not end well. Uh, I'm going to be blunt. Okay. The first time I heard masturbation, the word, a priest asked me, are you masturbating? And I said, I don't know. Like, cause I didn't know what that was. Now I'm older and I know what I should have done. But he said, well, don't ask. Now, later I find out that priest was a creep, right? And I was too little for my radar to work. But had I been a little smarter or older, I would have went to mom and dad and told them what happened. And then that priest would have been murdered. <laughs> you got to know my pa. <laughs> um, that stuck in my head for a lot of reasons. I have never asked anyone that I can remember have you ever done this? <laughs> you don't bring it up, I ain't bringing it up. The last thing humans need are more ideas. I do think, and I might be wrong, I want to be super, super clear. Moms and dads, use your best judgment. I can't fathom a reality where they don't know what it is. You, you just can't. Again, I hate how paranoid I sound. You can't imagine what your kid has already seen and dealt with. And they will lie to you about it because they are terrified. Okay? They don't even get what's going on. What you can do, and again, please only do this if your judgment tells you I do not have children, is just sit down and have that talk of this is a thing in our world now. And if you've ever seen pornography, we're not mad at you. We know you didn't make a choice. We, we want to talk to you about it. We want to help you because you won't be able to quit. It's the way God made us, right? You won't be able to quit. And then uh, I, I think that's an important conversation to have. Um, and again, like my mom told me, and I'm glad about this, one thing she said about a couple of her kids, and Kelly and I were, were two of them, where she said this about, we told her when we were wrong. We, we, we told her, right? We knew somehow, well, I think some of it was just reason. They always figured it out anyway. But if it was, did you do this? Yes. <laughs> That's just the best answer. Ready? Yes. Uh, if I did it, just say you did it and admit it and get it over with, right? Even with that, a couple times mom asked me about sexual things I might have heard at school, and I lied my butt off. Nope, never heard of that. Right? It was only a couple years later where I was able to go, yeah, I did. I got some questions. Um, at that age, all they know is to be ashamed of it and that they're incredibly attracted to it. Yeah? Um. 
Oh, thank you. Covenant Eyes and Catholic in Recovery are uh, two uh, suggestions from our audience for software help in terms of pornography, if I'm reading you right. Thank you. Uh, I know there's another one that everyone seems to be using, and I'll be gosh darned if I can remember the name. But I know, like, for me, it comes as texts from these brothers, right, who are just like, hey, you know, I'm, uh, and these, you know, let it go. Okay, is that it? Okay, well, guys, I hope this was helpful. Uh, if you need to get to confession, get to confession. Remember how deeply, deeply, deeply you are loved. I mean that. God is not ashamed of you. Um, you have nothing that you can hide from God, so there's no good in pretending you can. Just give it to him. Get in the fight. Hmm? That doesn't sound right. Uh, you know what I'll do? I'll ask. I'll flat out ask. Um, uh, but any of those suggestions, please feel free to share them. We want to help people get free because uh, you were made to be free. You know, a lot of it. Again, I wish I had more time. You were made to be free. That's why addiction stinks because uh, inside of you is the craving to be free. Right. Uh, okay. So. I love you all. Thank you for letting me have the awkward talk. Um, there will be no show this Friday because of your sin. Uh, <laughs> sorry. There will be no shows next week. Sorry about that. Uh, yeah, we'll put some posts up. Uh, maybe pictures of me dancing about a cruise ship. Um, but if you would pray... Uh, I'm going there pretty tired. I was telling Carrie, and so I'm nervous because it is a lot of work. It's joyful, but I'm letting myself get way too into my head lately. Uh, you know what I mean? I, I, I'm up all night thinking and uh, not sleeping well and all that, and uh, I just get myself all jacked up. And it's just like, be still and know that I'm the Lord, right? Be still and know that I'm the Lord. Uh, praise God. Okay. Well, I'm so proud of you all. Uh, I mean, it. if you're listening to this, if you're willing to engage the fight, let's do this, man. Right? Uh, um, greater is God in you than anything outside of you. All right. Salad pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> Whew, Heavenly Father, you put your fire in us. And it's the fire that made the universe. It's the fire that drove you to pour all of yourself out to save us. And man, thank you. Thank you for that fire. As much as it gets us in trouble, Lord, it's what makes us like you. What we ask for today is deliverance. and mercy and strength. We ask for compassion, humility, and selflessness. Help us to point that fire toward creating emotional, spiritual, physical life to giving of ourselves in ways that don't seem to immediately gratify, but fill that big old hole in our heart.
And Lord, for anyone listening who's addicted in any way to any kind of dysfunctional sexual activity, oh Lord, set them free. See their broken, contrite heart. See their feeling of hopelessness and speak to it and say, I'm right here. We'll do this together. No sin is inevitable. Only your grace and mercy and love are inevitable. Let your mercy be on us, O Lord, as we place our trust in you. Heavenly Father, you know the people that we love very much and worry about. And you know all the circumstances in our lives that cause us to fret. We give all of it to you, Lord, because we love you so much and we trust you. And may Almighty God bless you all, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. God bless you guys. My Kung Fu is strong. I'll see you in a couple weeks. Peace. Is it over? No, it's never over. But Greatest line ever. <laughs> well, we're some things are, some things are never over.